This is a podcast of the Church at Indian Lake. Good morning. Welcome to the Church at Indian Lake again. My name is David, and I want to thank you guys for showing up. Hopefully you all feel welcome here uh, this morning. This is a great church, and I'm uh, honored to be able to, to speak to you this morning. And I want to just personally thank you for coming out. I've entitled the message today, uh, a Quick Response. Uh, I don't know if you have a device that reads the uh, QR code that I've built, but uh, you're welcome to uh, try to scan that. I've, I've built that specifically for the purpose of our message this morning. Uh, if you've got uh, your Bibles with you or your uh, techie devices, uh, I would like for you to turn to the book of Jonah. Uh, the book of Jonah is a really incredible uh, book, and it has a lot to say for you and I uh, here today, though a lot of times uh, the book is dismissed as a, as a big fish tale. It's dismissed as a fable or a, a cute story that we can teach or sing to our children. And, uh, and I believe there's so much more in the book, uh, specifically the first four passages, which is what we're going to look at today. Uh, I think there's a lot more in the first four passages than, uh, than maybe we realize. And so today we're just going to look at uh, just a couple of passages. We're not going to get to the fish story. So if you're curious uh, or you want to read it again on your own time, I encourage you to do so. Uh, just spoiler alert, the guy gets uh, eaten by a large fish. Uh, but I do want to uh, I do want to take some time to spend in the book of Jonah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word that God, when preached, it does not return void. That God, I believe that you are speaking to us today, whether through the words of man or through uh, your Holy Spirit. May none of us leave this place without hearing from you. May we turn our hearts towards you. We thank you in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Jonah chapter one, verse one says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amnitai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Look at that part. After boarding a ship for Tarshish, he fleed from the Lord. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in a place um, where you just felt like fleeing. Uh, maybe you've been in trouble with the law. Hopefully no one here. Uh, and you just you felt like you needed to run. Um, one night uh, several years ago, my wife and I, we had just had a, a baby and uh, we just bought a house and we were asleep upstairs in our bedroom and uh, it was about two o'clock in the morning and I woke up to the sound of popping. It sounded like uh, miniature sized explosions, if that's even possible. Uh, so I woke up and I'm thinking, you know, what's going on? I was kind of, you know, scratching my eyes and I walk into the bathroom, uh, which kind of where the noise felt like it was coming from. And, and I look out the window and all I remember seeing were just huge flames of fire. And so I might have overreacted just a little when I screamed at the top of my lungs, our house is on fire, everyone get out. Um, wife grabs the baby, we all run down the stairs, we get outside uh, where we realize that it was the house two doors down that was actually on fire, um, and not ours. The point being that there are certain times in our lives where we have to flee, where we have to run, where we have to respond quickly. And if we if we saw a building on fire or we saw maybe someone in desperate need or whatever, there's times when we uh, respond quickly. We don't process what's going on. We just respond. And I wonder today how many of us would say that we would respond quickly to the word of the Lord. Like Jonah, God is speaking to all of us. 
And I think the first bit of that passage is something for us just to pause and take a really close look at. The fact that God Almighty, creator of the universe, speaks to mankind. Like, I find that fascinating. A miracle in and of itself. That you and I, as sinful as, um, as we are, maybe I'm the only one that's sinful, but as sinful as I am, God still desires to speak to me. And I think that's exciting. And a lot of times, I feel like we miss that opportunity to hear God. And I feel like maybe we pass that by. And we don't pause to say, you know, what is God saying in my life? Now, Jonah is a really good, bad example of what to do. He's a lot like my four-year-old. When you tell him to do something, he did the exact opposite. And uh, my kids, they do that a lot. Like, go clean your room, and then they go play outside or whatever. There just never seems to be a connect. And my wife and I, our, our overall goal, and I say overall goal uh, because it's our ultimate goal, is to get our kids to obey us the first time. It's an uphill battle if you have children. Um, but our, our plan is to say, you know, when we tell you to do something, we want you to do it immediately. And don't hold me to that later on if my kids are running around and I'm trying to correct them. But our plan, our overall goal, is to get them to obey immediately. And I, I don't like doing the one, two, three deal uh, where you count, but I, I find myself doing it uh, occasionally, maybe more often than I should. But we want our kids to obey us quickly because we feel like if our children will obey us and learn to obey us immediately and they'll recognize our voice and they'll respond to it quickly, then maybe, hopefully, they'll recognize God's voice and obey him quickly. And I think it's important that you and I find ourselves recognizing God's voice in our life. And I believe that he speaks to us all uh, very differently. And even throughout the Bible, we find where God spoke through a burning bush or he spoke uh, through a writing on a wall or through a donkey. I believe that God speaks in various ways. And it's important that you and I are listening. If you're taking notes, uh, that was the first point. Listening. I snuck it in there. Listening. It's important that we're listening for God. And him speaking to us. You know, we find that the majority of the time in the Bible, when God speaks, it demands a response. When God speaks, it demands a response. And Jonah was no different. When God spoke to Jonah, it demanded a response from him. I like the passage in John 10, 27. It says, uh, I'll read it to you from here. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I think as you and I, as we grow closer and closer to God and we begin to recognize God's voice and understand that he's speaking to us all the time and we follow him, it becomes a lot easier to obey. And God's speaking all the time. This morning I was driving uh, here and uh, it, was, it was early, the sun was barely coming up. And, and in my neighborhood we have those white trees uh, that look like kind of snow is all over them. They're gorgeous trees. And the sun was kind of right there at the tree and, and it was like this absolutely amazing, picturesque, uh, sight, and I just had to pause and say, you know, God, you've outdone yourself this morning. Like, there's no way around it. And I felt like that opened the door, and God began to speak into my life through his creation. And I believe that uh, God is always speaking to us if we recognize it, if we are listening for his voice. But I think sometimes we, we don't necessarily want to hear what he has to say. Like, maybe we wouldn't verbalize it like that, because that sounds pretty harsh. Like, hey, I don't want to hear what God has to say. But I feel like in my heart that sometimes we're like that. Like maybe we're afraid of what he'll call us to do. 
Maybe we're afraid of where he'll take us or where he'll drag us. Uh, and in Jonah verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, I don't know how wicked a city has to be before it comes up before the Lord. But I think it's really fascinating to see right here that God cared about the people of Nineveh enough to place a call on Jonah's life to reach them. A lot of times I feel like we paint a picture of God that's not real accurate. Like we, we paint him as maybe the, the bad cop who's just waiting for you and I to make a mistake so he can, you know, get us in trouble. And that's not God at all. I think that's an aspect of God possibly where he wants to, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But God loves you and I. We're his creation. And he cares for us enough to, one, want to send people to help us and to save us. But also he cares enough about you and I to send us out to help others as well. Nineveh was wicked. There's no way around it. The prophet uh, Nehemiah said this about Nineveh. He called the city, uh, called Nineveh the city of blood, full of lies. I said, what did I say? The prophet Nahum? Is that what I meant? That's what I meant to say. Uh, The city of blood, full of lies, full of plunder. And listen to this. Never without victims. It's not my ideal vacation spot. Nineveh sounds like a horrible place. But yet God cared enough about those people. Even though they were living in open rebellion and chaos and anarchy, and it sounded kind of like they were just killing each other and and stealing from each other, it was just chaos. But God cared enough about them. Even though they didn't care about him, he cared about them enough to want to send Jonah. And I feel like in our life, that hearing of someone's uh, needs... Maybe we discover that someone's in open rebellion or they're in deep sin. Or maybe we find that someone needs something from God and they don't know where to go. They don't know to go to God for it. Uh, Hearing of someone's needs should prompt something inside of us. It should cause you and I to want to be willing to do what God's called us to do. And that's your second point if you're taking notes. Be willing. In order to respond to God quickly, we have to listen and we have to be willing. And I feel like that you and I, when we discover someone's needs should find ourselves being willing. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I don't think that comes as a surprise to anybody. Um, but I, I can't stand the sight of blood uh, or even talking about it, uh, needles, none of that stuff. I hit the floor quick. I'm not a doctor. I would make a terrible doctor. Um, but I know enough from the one biology class that I took in college that I got a C on that you can, um, you can hear of something, like a sound or a noise. You can hear something, and it enters through your ear, And don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure your brain begins to process that information and then it decides what to do with it, right? Like it sounds legitimate. You hear something, goes to your brain, you process it, and then it prompts some kind of response. And in between verse verse 2 and verse 3, we find that Jonah hears God's voice. And he hears him saying, hey, there's a really wicked city full of blood and lies and uh, plunder. And I want you to go. And between that statement and what Jonah does, we find that Jonah processes this information. He processes what God has said to him. And we know from Jonah uh, chapter 4, later as he's kind of sulking, he's going back and he's saying, you know, God, uh, I didn't want to go to Nineveh. Because I didn't feel like those people deserved your grace. I didn't feel like those people deserved your grace. And I know you, God, I know you well enough to know that if I go to this sinful place and I start preaching your word, you're going to forgive all their sins and you're going to turn their lives around. And I don't think 
that they deserve it. Jonah was processing what God was saying, and he talked himself out of obeying. One of my kids uh, started waking up for about a week. It was a pattern. For a week, they would wake up every night or morning, I guess, about 2.30 or 3 in the morning. And they wouldn't just wake up and be like, hey, I'm awake. They would scream bloody murder at the top of their lungs. They would just scream out. And it would scare me like it would you because most of the time I'm sleeping at that time. And uh, I would jump up without even thinking, without processing, without trying to figure out what was going on. I just jumped up, tripped over every toy in the hallway and went to his bedside to see what was going on. Because I felt like the need was so great. I didn't have to think it through. I didn't have to go, well, what do you think they're crying for? Do you think they're screaming because they had a bad dream? Is someone in the room? If someone's in the room, I certainly don't want to go in there too because they could be hurt me too and I might scream. I mean, we don't process stuff. We don't think it through. I didn't stop and say, I'm going to pray for him and maybe he's going to go back to sleep. You just react. And I don't think that we should become mindless drones as followers of Christ. I just don't think that we should be robots necessarily. But I think that as we discover God's voice, as we discover how he speaks to us, and we begin to realize how the Holy Spirit prompts us, it should cause us to act quickly, to respond quickly and properly. I believe that God wants you and I to be able to hear Him and move. Hear Him and move. We have to be willing. Um, the, the stuff that happened in Japan is just awful. Like, there's just no way around it. In fact, I don't think we can craft uh, language in the human uh, or any, any form of language to be able to describe the... the the awfulness of what it is. Um, and I actually discovered uh, the situation via Facebook. It's usually the first uh, media outlet that I check in the mornings. Uh, and I found out what was going on because my page was just packed full of people who were praying uh, for Japan and they were donating and there was all these sites set up. And, and I thought that was fascinating. It reminded me of what happened when Haiti uh, was under its destruction and, and people were rallying behind that and everybody was giving and praying. Um, and there's nothing wrong with it at all. It's, it's great that we are a people who can see a, a mass need and rise to the occasion. But the thing is, I believe that there are horrible things that are happening all around you and I every single day. And they're not to this epic scale and they're not to this uh, mass uh, amount of people who are without. But in the lives of the people around you and I, there are terrible things happening that often get unnoticed. The news media is not going to pick up every, every sad story. Uh, they're not going to pick up every uh, bad thing that happens in, in the lives of the people around us. But you and I are able to pick that up. You and I are able to pick that up. And I believe that God wants to prompt something inside of us, that when we discover someone's needs, we act quickly, not because we can update our Facebook status and say, hey, I helped this person or whatever, but because we genuinely feel like God lives inside of us and he's speaking to us and he wants us to do something about the tragedies that are going on. And I feel like that God has placed each and every one of us, most of us anyway, probably all of us, in a certain position for him to use us. And you may not know why you have the job you have. You may not know why you uh, are in the situation that you're in, but God does. God knows and he's put you there for such a time and a place. And I believe as we begin to discover God's voice and we start asking him what it is that we want him to do through us, that we'll start seeing him use us more and more. And when we discover that someone that's close to us or maybe someone that we even just have met needs God in their life, then you and I could come and help them out. I think we have to be willing. I think we have to be willing. And there's a lot of reasons why 
we run the opposite direction sometimes. I know in my own life, there's times when I discover a need and I run the opposite way. And, and a lot of times I find that it's because I'm selfish. It's because I want to put my own needs and my own agenda and my own plan before God's. And maybe that's not you, but that's me sometimes. I feel like I get so busy, especially with the weather, uh, the way that it is. I find that I'm out more, I'm running around. Uh, and you guys are too, because the traffic is awful when it's sunny. So everybody else is out too. Uh, we're out doing our own stuff, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we always need to pause and take time to be used by God. I think sometimes we run the opposite direction because we don't necessarily think it's our responsibility. Maybe somebody comes to you and they say, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with something. We think, yeah, that's great. You know, I'm dealing with something too. Someone else will help you. Uh, maybe someone will help me. And we always want to pass it off like it's someone else's responsibility. Uh, but God sometimes wants you to do it. He could have used somebody else besides Jonah. He's God. But he chose Jonah. And he placed that call on his life. And uh, I think sometimes we, we, we pass by because we think it's too risky. Uh, or for me sometimes, even though this is kind of ironic, I feel like sometimes I get too preachy. Like if I'm talking to someone outside of church and I know they're in sin and I'm trying to reach them, I'm always overly conscious of being too preachy. And I think sometimes that hurts our, our message that, you know, we're afraid to offend or we're afraid to go too far. And sometimes God says, just go for it. And I think as we learn the Holy Spirit, and we learn how he speaks and we allow him to speak through us. Then we don't have to worry about being too preachy or if we're going to say the wrong thing. You and I aren't going to be good enough and we're not going to have enough biblical knowledge. If we allow the Holy Spirit to speak through us, then it'll be God and not you and I. I don't know if you've ever felt this, but I feel this uh, quite often um, where I can kind of feel the Holy Spirit sort of rise up inside of me. Like when I know God wants me to do something and I just sort of take that step, and all of a sudden I start to feel the Holy Spirit begin to speak through me. And there's nothing more exciting than that. When you say something to somebody and it challenges them, or it brings them to tears or brokenness or brings them to repentance or whatever, when God uses you, you know it. And you don't have to have the right education or anything. If you just will be willing to do what God wants you to do, then he'll use you. And it's exciting when he does. The third point is that we have to be ready. We have to be ready. I think a lot of times in our lives, uh, we, we suppress uh, our, our faith in, in outside of the church. Maybe that's, maybe that's um, not all of you. Hopefully it's not any of us. But I think sometimes we compartmentalize our faith. That we sort of say, you know, we're Christians here and we're not Christians here. And I think that hurts sometimes our witness. God wants us to be ready in season and out. He wants us to be ready all the time to follow his prompting in our life. And we've got to stay close to him. We've got to stay in our word. And we've got to uh, have constant communication with him so that we can be ready to move whenever he calls. And if we look through the life of Jonah, we realize that, you know, Jonah was listening to God. It was obvious that he was listening to God. His willingness is under question. Whether he was really willing to follow God wholeheartedly or not is under question. But he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. God called him to do a task that maybe he wasn't ready to do in his life. And he allowed his mind to talk him out of it. And I think a lot of times, if we process what God calls us to do, we're probably going to allow our mind to talk us out of it as well. You know, God, God can sometimes call us to do some crazy stuff. If you look throughout the Bible, people who followed him wholeheartedly, God led them into incredible situations. And I believe he can lead you and I into those same situations today. And if we'll allow him to use us, he'll, bri he'll 
take us up to greatness and he'll do something mighty in and through us. But we have to be ready. We have to be ready. We often don't feel capable, but God's grace is sufficient. And I believe that his power is made perfect in our weakness. His power is made perfect in our weakness. There's some days when we get up and we just don't feel like being a Christian. We don't feel like living that witness. We don't feel like uh, following what God's called us to do. And we don't feel like it. But God's power is made perfect in our weakness. And if we'll allow him to energize us, and if we'll allow the Holy Spirit to fill us up and give us that boldness, then God will speak through us and he'll use us even when we don't feel like we can do it. The last thing I want to tell you is that there are consequences to disobedience sometimes. There are consequences to disobedience. And if we read in Jonah uh, chapter 1 verse 4, it says this, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Jonah was in open disobedience. He went out of his way to run from God. If we look back through the story, we realize that uh, Jonah went and he had to find a boat that was going to go anywhere but Nineveh. I don't know if he specifically chose where he was headed, but he found a boat. He had to pay the fare. I don't know if he had the money or if he had to sell some stuff, if he had to call in some stocks and bonds. I don't know how he got the money, but he had to pay his fare. I don't know if he packed or if he just ran. But there was some preparation in Jonah's disobedience. There was some preparation in his disobedience. And I think sometimes we find ourselves openly disobeying God's call upon our life. And when we're in that position, we need to understand that there are consequences. Now, Jonah would have, uh, God would have rather sunk the boat that Jonah was on versus allow him to continue walking through open disobedience. He would have rather sunk that boat than allow Jonah to continue running away from God. And I believe that God is saying to you and I, first and foremost, let's not find ourselves in open disobedience. Let's make sure that we're uh, yielding ourselves to him, that we're open to him and whatever he calls us to do. Let's not plot and plan against God. But I think God also wants us to understand that he loves you and I so much. That God offers you and I grace and mercy when we do make mistakes, when we do disobey him. As you read on into Jonah, you realize that God sent a huge uh, fish to to come and to take Jonah off. And and Jonah began to process things differently. It's funny how uh, when you're in the belly of a fish, you start to think about things a little different. Uh, Jonah starts to process stuff. God's grace and mercy represented in a fish. I think God wants us to understand that he desires to use you and me. He has a plan for your life. And a lot of times when we say that, and I say it a lot, I say, God has a plan for your life. When we hear that, uh, a lot of times the only word that we hear in that sentence is the word plan. I love to plan. I'm a planner. I like to script things out, map them out. I like schedules. And plan, the word, seems so formal. It seems so upfront. And a lot of times the plan that God has for you and I isn't just scripted out up front. It's not laid out for you to be able to work your entire life around. It, it's created for you and I to continue to trust on him. The Bible says that the steps of a, the righteous man are ordered by God. As we live like Christ has called us to live, he begins to order our steps. And as we hear his voice in our life, we follow him. And his plan is laid out before us. And so in my mind, I think instead of focusing on the word plan, 
and trying to figure out everything that God wants us to do and, you know, go to the right schools and marry the right person and all this stuff, I think that we should focus on God. If we'll focus on God and we'll live like he's called us to do and we follow the Holy Spirit's prompting in our life, then we'll find his plan laid out before us. And it's a perfect plan. God desires for you and I to connect with him. I was at a wedding uh, with my wife for uh, another uh, religious sect. And uh, it was a very reverent place. It was a gorgeous building. And, and the, the person doing the wedding, uh, the words were very eloquent. And, and everything just felt really respectful. But I just sort of felt a huge disconnect between the God that I was in that room revering and the God that desires to have communication with us. And I think we need to respect God, there's no doubt. But I think we, and we need to revere Him, but I think we also need to understand that God's plan is not to be mysterious and, and kind of, you know, real kooky and out there. God wants to connect with you and I. He desires communication. And he desires to speak into our life and He desires to hear from us. And it's when we establish that relationship and we clarify that then we can hear him clearly and respond quickly. There's a lot of voices that I recognize. When my wife walks into a room, I recognize her sweet accent. Uh, there's several people that are close to me. I recognize their, their voice very quickly. And I want to say that God's in that group too. That I'm, I'm close enough to God and I can maintain that relationship. That I recognize his voice when he's speaking. Maybe you're here tonight, today, and you uh, and you... You relate more to the Ninevites. Maybe you're just in open rebellion and you're plundering and, and all that stuff. And you need God to, give, to, to save you. His grace and mercy is, is, is available to us all. Or maybe you're like Jonah and you don't understand why God can love everybody equally. Why he can extend that same grace and mercy to the worst of the worst. I was, I was raised in church. I've been a Christian as long as I can remember. I was baptized really early in life uh, to the point where I got baptized again later in life so that I could remember it. I've just always followed Christ. It's something I've always held dear. And sometimes I wonder how the same grace that God shows me, a faithful follower of Him, can be extended to the worst of the worst criminals. But God says He loves us all. And He loves us all equally. And He desires to pull you out of whatever junk that you're in. And he wants, to, he wants to pull you close to him. In the belly of the fish, uh, Jonah reads this. He prays this prayer. And I, I want to read it to you uh, just, just briefly because I think it's powerful. There's some fishing metaphors and ocean metaphors that I think that you can apply to your own life. And I want to read it to you briefly. In Jonah 2, uh, verse 1, uh, it just talks about he's, he's praying from the fish. And in verse 2, it says this. In my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas and the currents swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me from it in, barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayers rose to you, to your holy temple. 
to those who cling to worthless idols, turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. I will say salvation comes from the Lord. If you would stand with me and bow your head and close your eyes. As our prayer team makes their way down here, I want, to, I want you just to ask yourself, am I Jonah today? Or am I a Ninevite today? Am I walking through open rebellion? Am I in a place in my life that I know I shouldn't be? Sometimes we get so deep into our own sin that we don't know how to get out. But I can tell you that God's grace and mercy is available to us all. And all we have to do is cry out to Him just like Jonah did. And He'll save us. Maybe you're saying, that's not me. That's not me today. I'm not in open rebellion. I'm not in sin. I feel like my relationship's good. But maybe you know somebody around you that needs God's help. And you want to stand in for them. I'm going to pray for you. And then we're going to open the altars up for you just to connect with God. If you need to stand in for somebody else. Or maybe maybe you need to find God's own voice. Maybe you need to find His voice in your life. You need to connect with Him. Maybe for the first time. But I want everybody just for the next few minutes to find themselves connecting with God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you for listening to the podcast of The Church of Indian Lake. 